From KIOS in Omaha and Exarban Creative, you are listening to Riverside Chats. I am Tom Noblock. Today on the show, I have a conversation with Dewan Lamont Hayes. If you know Hayes, you know he's doing a million things right now. Most recently, he's announced that he is running for mayor of the city. When you ask me what keeps me in Omaha, it's the people. It's because folks here, if you don't have something, they learn how to make it, you know? And that is so impressive in the fact that we have the resources and the assets and the community here to support brand new ventures that are going to improve you know, the well-being of our entire community is so cool. And I want to center that, that energy in City Hall so that every person, every artist, every individual who lives in Omaha can see themselves as a part of, not a part from. Stay tuned for my conversation with Dewan Lamont Hayes right here on Riverside Chats. You're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Today I'm talking with Dewan Lamont Hayes. Hayes most recently has announced that he is running for mayor of the city. You probably know him best as the founder of Noise, a hyper-local journalism organization here in North Omaha. He's doing a million things. He's done a million things. He's one of those guys who will figure out how to do whatever's on his mind, whatever he commits to, whether it's clear how to do that or not. The newest one, running for mayor, is the center of our conversation, though it does not exclude me from asking about how he became the person he is and all of the other things that he's done. Here it is. Enjoy. We spoke via Zoom. You just told me you like to talk about Omaha. You love to talk about it. I mean, a a question that comes up a lot in the show, one person told me they think the show is secretly just about the question of why do people stay in the Midwest? Uh, and so what, what is it that's kept you in Omaha? Because you're, you're, uh, almost Im- ambitious beyond what existed in the city. And it looks like you've had to make a lot of your own opportunities, which I think is the case for a lot of people who are ambitious in Omaha. So what, what is it for you that kept you here? Honestly, the people, um, you know, I've been born and raised here in Omaha, Nebraska. I've literally have Nebraska tattooed on my side. You know, it's, we're inseparable, and um, the last few years, I've been able to travel to different parts of the country. I was able to uh, leave the country for the first time last year to Brazil. And everywhere I go, when people ask me where I'm from, I probably stay from Nebraska and from Omaha. And it's because, like, the reason I had those experiences in those other places is because I'm from here. If I didn't have a place to start, then I wouldn't have a place to go. Um, and Omaha is such a great starting place, and it's home, you know? like. I, back in 2016, I graduated from college, a good friend and I, we like packed up his car and just went west for three months. Then we just like spent all of our money, all of our savings, maxed our credit cards. That whole experience. So I just was like, whoa, in Omaha, it's like this. In Omaha, it can be like that. And well, this, because that was my only frame of reference. And the whole time I kept thinking, you know, well, maybe I move here, maybe I move here. But then towards the end, it just was like, no, I need to go home. I need to take all the things that I learned. I need to take all the experiences that I just had. And, and cultivate them in at, in Omaha because they haven't they haven't made it here yet you know mm-hmm. um, and from that I saw some of my friends who were like starting struggling screenwriters and app developers and they're you know just like paying too much to live in the back of their car but now like all of them are crazy successful where they are and I and I've been able to like find my own version of success here because we did we followed where we were passionate and we did it where we were most powerful Mm -hmm. rather than trying to like be somewhere that we're not yeah and I think Omaha is just like a great home base for that so I mean but it's it's kind of counterintuitive because like you were just saying there are people who it's clear how to follow certain dreams if you move to certain cities where there's already an infrastructure for a lot of stuff um so I mean like for you I imagine you had to sort of cultivate both ambition uh, and like the confidence to let yourself express ambition. I mean, so tell me about, I mean, when you were growing up, were you a kid who wanted to do everything all the time or when did that start? Uh, Definitely. I was definitely a kid who wanted to do everything all the time. I wanted to be a magician. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a journalist and Hey, here I am. Um, I wanted to be a backup dancer for Britney Spears. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to drive trains at one point because trains are cool. I wanted to do all the things. And, you know, my mom always said, you can do anything you set your mind to. I mean, people say that all the time, but one, she demonstrated it consistently. Like when she went to school to go get her degree was when I started school. Um, And I got to like grow up alongside my mom. We're 20 years apart. So like, and 
she the the fact that I'm her like I'm 26 when I would have been six years old you know what I mean yeah. and just like I couldn't imagine having a child right now but the fact that she poured so much into me and exemplified to me like hey it's possible because you know where her family comes from she's the very first person in her family to have a master's degree sometimes you have to make the thing that you don't have because growing up we didn't have a whole lot and so it made it difficult to be like okay if you really really want something either you you're gonna do everything that you can to get that thing or you're gonna figure out how to make it for yourself or you're gonna change yourself so that you don't need that thing anymore those are and, tough though those those are that's tough to wrap your mind around all that yeah it's very tough to wrap your mind around but you had to like but like as a child and like i remember asking my mom are we poor and her being like yes and so if you want something, we're going to have to, you're going to figure it out. But that was the exercise, that mental exercise really helped me be like, okay, you know, come back to Omaha, uh, broke, unemployed in 2016, trying to figure out what to do. And it just was like, okay, well, what am I passionate about? What do I believe in? And that trip and leaving Omaha helped me come back to find my place here. That was when I started going to city council meetings. That's when I started um, signing up for boards. That's when I started looking into organizations I cared about. That's when I got my first full-time job at the Union for Contemporary Art and started working in the nonprofit world in communications in North Omaha, where I'm from, getting back embedded in the community, learning the stories. And that's when I was like, whoa, there's so much to discover here. Like I've lived here my whole life and I didn't know any of this stuff. And is because I went to other places and learned their history and learned and had that experience that I came back to my own community and was able to discover it again and then truly find my place within it. Um, since I know where I am now, I can I understand what my relationship is. Whereas before, I just wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's how most people feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, even still, I, I, so. You wanted to do journalism even when you were a kid. So, I mean, tell me about that. Was that were there certain journalists who you were really into or somehow inspired you even when you were younger? Oh, not not at all. I just loved handwriting. Handwriting. Oh, you loved writing, <laughs> yes, just in general. I love, um, like cursive, learning cursive in third grade. I haven't anyone who knows me and who's seen my handwriting. They're like, your handwriting is absolutely beautiful, and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> and um, I liked it because it was second art class, and I just liked writing words. Um, and, and when we had spelling tests, I loved writing the big words because it allowed me to like paint this really beautiful big word. And I just enjoyed that so much. I figured, oh, well, I like writing cause I physically like writing. So I guess I'd like being, I want to be a journalist. <laughs> now, but so I was saying like journalism though, is it's a very specific type of storytelling. I mean, when I think of, you know, people who have great handwriting, I mean, like I think of people who want to tell almost like, you know, there's like fairy tale stories written in, you know, like the book at the beginning of, you know, like Shrek or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, what, what is it about journalism telling sort of like real stories? I mean, cause it seems to easily move into your interest in everything, right? Because journalism mm-hmm. can be about everything where it both gives you an excuse to learn about something to then write about it, but then also you get to you know share that knowledge. I mean, why do you think you gravitated toward that even as you were young? People used to call me a know-it-all because my I just knew stuff. I knew all kinds of stuff. And I was always around things. Like I was always reading. My, my mom and my aunt read all the time. I loved the dictionary. Um, I love just like doing research, history books, music, anything. And then I, I'm an avid listener. So like I would just be with adults and hearing what they say, how they act, what they do, all these things. And then I would just like learn and pick up the context and like, and then my mom would be one of the few people who would explain it to me. And so, and then my aunt and uncle were closer in age. So like my older siblings and they would explain these, these like life lessons to me and it, for, for me, it stuck. Uh, um, and so I was always just like very observant and even, and there was times in elementary school where I was bullied for being queer and kind of feminine and, you know, like, and things like that. And so I just had to kind of be on my own and be able to find the space I, I was to thrive in. And it always happened to be like in the middle. I was never one or the other. Um, and when you have to just kind of make your own space literally to survive um, in just a social context, then you start to apply that to everything else you do. There is something about 
when you're sort of like this weird age, your parents, uh, it's not like uh, they're as, when they're not as established, I guess is what it is. And so they're trying to figure things out. But then like, in my case, at least I wasn't really around a lot of other kids my age because my parents were off doing things, trying to, you know, you know, go to school or whatever else. And so there, there is kind of this like problem solving you have to do because you're not around all the kids who have the exact same questions. You're sort of like around all these kind of adults or like they're on their way to becoming adults who know all this stuff. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there is, there is some skill or maybe it's almost like an addiction you get to like, I need to learn all these things because there's all this knowledge around me and you get sort of conditioned to try to find all the answers and you believe that there are answers out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And start, I mean, so I was at home all the time. So you just had to be able to figure something out, you know, like yeah. she would explain things to me and make sure like I was like burned the house down. This is how you fire extinguisher. <laughs> but besides that, like if I wanted something or I needed to do something and she's at work and I don't, I have to just figure it out. And that kind of like, you know, when you know, you're not going to have a bunch of money for something or, you know, you can't just like ask for it and get it. You start to get, you get creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I'm so proud that I am able to have that ability because there's so many people who don't and really fought and have a difficult time adapting because it's not being given to them. And, mm. and sometimes you just have to take it or make it. The other thing I want to talk about with journalism is, I mean, as you're starting to study it, it's got to be at a time where the whole field is looking pretty fragile, right? I mean, so were, were you deterred or how did you navigate just the, the fact that it's like, I don't know if this field's going to even look anything like what it looks like now in 10 years. I, Went to school originally with the intention of doing musical theater because I'd always done theater. Out of the four schools that I got accepted into, Creighton was the only one that offered me enough money to go. And so I was like, ah, I'm stuck at Omaha. <laughs> but it ended up being one of the best experiences. One, because I had good friends here and like my support network here. And then two, so it was a conversation I was having on campus when someone said, have you ever considered public relations? And I had no idea what they're talking about. I was like, public group, what? Like, I've heard of the word, I guess, or like the term, but I don't know what it means. And so I started looking into our public relations department. Um, and it was a part of the journalism school at Creighton. And so I was like, well, you know, like journalism is cool, I guess. And I like taking pictures. I was really into Photoshop. I like taught myself Photoshop in my bedroom when I was like 12 and 14 um, from like a bootleg version of CS3. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, really into like, a, a, you know, programming and design and, and graphic design. I knew I wanted to do something like that, but I knew I, I have a knack for talking to people and performing and I like talking about stuff I care about. So when it came down to it, journalism turned out to be the place I wanted to be. And this is, I started my freshman year in 2012. Okay. Snapchat just came out like end of 2011. So Snapchat as a social media platform is just arriving. Facebook is only picking up steam. Instagram, um, I got an Instagram just that year in 2012. So these things, these social media platforms as we know them were very much in their infancy. Uh, and that was what what we talked about a lot over my over the four years, and so I graduated in 2016, and we literally saw social media and the country and storytelling transform in front of our eyes. Like every precedent that we had gone based off before was had been eradicated because of how social media had taken a hold of uh, of people's consciousness and the storylines and the things that we believe, and that's where a lot of people get their news from. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were massive discussions we had in school being like, oh, um, but that, but what was but to our benefit is that many of us were digital natives. We grew up alongside the internet. You know, I had a MySpace and I, I learned how to do HTML in MySpace and then moved to Facebook in 2009 as like a 14 year old rather than a, a college student. So this was, I ha- there was this gap where like, you'll see most of my life is on the internet because I'm a part of that generation. There's generations now who like, preconception their entire lives are on the internet which is just in fact yeah do, do you ever go back and look at some of your early posts yes yes and if people are like well you're running for office you should probably go back and delete your posts and i was like no i'm not gonna delete my posts i was 14 years old if i said something silly when i was 14 and you want to use it against me like get over it because they're the, the whole my generation and all the other generations all of our lives are online yeah so if you're going to start like picking parts of our lives to like shame us about or make us feel guilty about, 
that just doesn't make any sense because you have to do every single person ever. I'm always shocked. I, I get those, you know, like 10 years ago on Facebook posts. And I, what shocks me the most actually is like, wow, I was so confident in all these things I was posting. Like they're all just kind of dumb opinions, but I feel like I'm yeah, less confident like, now than I wasn't, you know, 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. So confident. You said it was like the utmost gumption. I go back and I read that. I'm like, what are you thinking kid? But you know, I was, you know, busy watching MTV and hanging out on MySpace and like making my MP3 playlist for my you know, my iPad mini, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, so it just, we were in a very different time and context, but you, what you see through what, what I'm also honored to have with that archive of my life though, is to see the progression. And I think mm -hmm. that's a really important um, element to evaluate and to take a hold of is like, we have, we can see how people grow. And if you want to see how I've evolved, go look, through my, all my tweets, all my Instagram posts, you know, my Facebook things, see how I was just some kid taking pictures and making silly posts to like going to school, being more present and now being like, I want to, I love Omaha so much. I'm willing to do anything it takes to make it a better place. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Dewan Lamont Hayes, founder of Noise and Omaha mayoral candidate. I think kids are trained now, right? To create a very specific public presence on social media that's like they're got they've got it figured out if their name and picture are with it whereas you know like 10 years ago it was basically like yeah no one really knows what this is and we're just a bunch of kids so we're just going to kind of post whatever on here uh but that's almost yeah, you can just make up your you know mezzo x 49 yeah. soul rider 95 um uh, what's my other one um obstreperous dot <laughs> spam that was my skype name um well and like adults had no idea how to even look at it for the most part so it's just yeah. like this weird zone but it, i mean that was a unique time in history i mean that, that's past yeah, yeah and, and like and i mean like spending hours formatting your page on myspace <laughs> and learning how to like embed music and reorient your top five and like we were literally a part of some of the original architects of the internet and a lot of like the meme culture and the even the music genres that we are familiar with today are directly inspired by that era of like 2004 to 2009 of like the internet ex expanding exponentially in the like iPhone and you know Twitter and all of these things just like exploding and then being a child like a teenager at that time and like what is this thing that you're giving me and right. figuring all the ways out like doing proxies at high school in high school so you can get on Facebook like you know we had to like get creative and figure out how to, how to respond to this adapting technology and we what we quickly realized is that like we're the ones that are most equipped to wield it because our elders who had to respond to this they were like what are, what are you doing and so now we're in the position where we're like, we're the tech builders. We're literally the like the foundational architects of the next generation of whatever is to come. And that's I really take that seriously when I think about noise and journalism and how we take a multimedia approach to storytelling and how you teach these things. Because I went to Creighton and I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars on a private degree to learn these basic tools that like make us better humans. Mm -hmm. So when did you have the idea for noise originally? So in 2017, I was working at the Union for Contemporary Art as their communications manager. And they're right off the 24th and Lake. And I grew up in that area. Um, and I was their first communications manager. So I was spending a lot of time just like building relationships with businesses and schools and people and talking about the Union, talking about the history of North Omaha, how it fits in the context. And there was a thing called an information ecosystem assessment conducted in 2017. Essentially, it's where do, where do people get their news? Where does, how does information flow in North Omaha? And two awesome journalists, um, uh, Jesse Hardman and Burgess Brown from the Internet, uh, the Listening Post Collective, they are these like incredible guerrilla journalists who just like go to communities and say, hey, we got tools, what do you need? And that's what they did here. And they talked to me when I was at as a communications manager and they were just like, how does it work? Tell us like, how do things flow? How do you get someone to your event? You know, how do you learn about anything here? And at the end of that study, we start, we started to find that like there were really huge gaps in people's awareness and very few tools for them to access. So, you know, Omaha star has been around for over 81 years 
Um, but for the most part, it's not really online, like article form. You can go and find it in PDF form and read it as a PDF, but that's not how people interact with news. Mm -hmm. And then we started to see the World Herald like woefully underrepresenting much of the black and brown community, especially like, and then young people and artists and creatives. And it all came down to, okay, well, here's this report. Someone needs to do something with it. And um, a local family foundation was like, hey, this is a great report we will support someone who does that. And I was the only one in the room who was like, I'll quit my job to start something, I guess. <laughs> and every, everyone else was like really secure at their place. Yeah. Was not ready to just like jump off into the wilderness and see what happened. And I was the only one who was like, okay, well, something needs to be done and someone needs to take it seriously. And I have the journalism degree, so mm. I guess I'll do that. And starting in 2018, I left the union. I wrote the original proposal. I, you know, did all the brainstorming. I, I did the graphic design work for the brand for noise, um, built the website, like, and started building the early team. And that's when we launched April 20th of 2018 at Creighton. I did a Ted talk there. And um, since then it's just evolved in a way that I would never imagined. I just was like, okay, let's, do news, I guess. And now we're doing all of these incredible things and the team has grown far beyond me. And now the community is really responding being like, we're so glad noise exists because there hasn't been, there isn't a news source that is like fit, fitting our needs and meeting us on the mediums that we're on. I'm, I'm impressed that you had the uh, trust in yourself to be able to figure it out because I think it, it does hold back a lot of people when they get opportunities or there's even the hint of an opportunity like I could leave my job and go do this because they don't necessarily I mean like everyone will t like when when they're talking about hypothetical lives it's very easy to be like yeah I'm just going to invent this thing that's going to change the world and it sounds cool and all but like how did you know or why did how did you get the amount of trust in yourself to figure it out when you made that leap I knew I had a resilient and loving community around me that was going to support me through it. And I was only really able to build that community because of my work through the union and engaging with folks in the neighborhood and developing those like direct relationships. So I knew I wasn't doing it alone. I mean, lots of things I had to do myself for sure. Um, and took a lot of convincing and a lot of inventing and just kind of making something up and seeing if it sticks, but it was, it, I knew that I had support um and i knew that you know i'm like i'm a good designer i know what i'm talking about you know i it, i've been in, trained in theater for years so if i need to you know make it up i can like i you know i'm a, I'm a professional at it so i knew that i i just had to um keep going until something worked and keep and keep asking questions and stay curious and it was really difficult this physically manifested in my body and began to hurt because I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world. Like I have to solve all of the world's problems with this organization. You know, there's so many issues. There's so many things I'm not doing right. There's so many things that need to be done better. You know, um, I'm not covering enough when really it was, when it started, it was me on my bike and my backpack with my phone and a little tripod and being like, tell me what's going on and doing that every day, multiple times a day, and just genuinely wearing myself out into a point where I was like, okay, this isn't sustainable. And I had to have people around me say, Dewan, this isn't sustainable. Like it's beautiful and you're doing great work, but you can't keep this up. And that, that community to ground me and say, okay, what do you need help with? How can I help? And what, then what's next really helps keep me, give me the support I needed to keep to keep building and since then i've been able to see my team expand and now i have people alongside me who are like i'm here i have this idea i'm like great do it i have this idea i think we should bring this person in i think we should approach these people here's a relationship we could we could build go for it that's awesome the fact that you have the energy and the desire and you and you understand how it lines great because that means i don't have to come up with all the ideas and then be the only one to do them Right. Uh, and that's how you build something sustainable and real because people love the, love the premise so much that they've adopted it for themselves and they want to keep going mm -hmm. rather than like, if Dewan doesn't give me the order, then it won't happen. And there's a little bit of that, but for the most part, folks have really, it's been amazing watching the agency build and watching people who were once amateurs in this space really like lead with a sense of real experience in a way that like I, you can't learn in school. You just have to like learn how to do. Um, and I think that's really valuable 
um, so we put the center of the organization is that many people who are on the team don't have journalism degrees. They don't come from traditional journalism backgrounds, but that is often what is their strong suit because they're able to look at this entity and this approach um, and the stories we're telling in a very different way. And they ask questions like someone who doesn't know because they frankly don't. And that gives us like so much, a much richer experience rather than people who act like they know everything all the time. I'm talking today with Dewan Lamont Hayes, founder of Noise and Omaha mayoral candidate. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Let us know what you think. We'll be back with more of the conversation after this break. Hello? I want to be a munchie boy. Listen to Omaha's new goofy food podcast, The Munchie Boys. Every week, we get food from a different local restaurant. Let's go. We munch. Yes, there is munch. And talk about the experience. What we got. Where did we go? We're still there. Two boxes of food. In lighthearted banter. I just jammed the rest of the Mediterranean in my mouth. Meatball-based items. In a way that is both zany. This is going to be crazy. We might end up throwing up. And fun. My hands are burning. Hell yeah. Every episode features an exclusive song. Where we sing about our weekly adventures and feature a different analog synthesis. It's a synth model. Play the track now. Now, yeah, we need to. Yeah. It sounds like haha. Check out Munchy Boys it's on Spotify, YouTube, streaming or streaming, and most other digital outlets. Uh, That's what happens. Munchy, Munchy, Munchy Boys. If you're a fan of Riverside Chats and want to see the show not only continue but expand in new spin-off shows including a film club, a book club, and a news roundup, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash riversidechats. For as low as just $1 a month, you get access to exclusive audio as well as our full backlog of episodes. Our most recent 50 are always free. Older than that goes behind the paywall. So you get that plus exclusive content over at patreon.com slash riversidechats. Please consider becoming a patron today. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Remember, you can always find our most recent 50 episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review today, or become a Patreon over at patreon.com slash riversidechats to get access to the full backlog. Today I'm talking with Dewan Lamont Hayes, Omaha mayoral candidate and founder of Noise. It's interesting when you talk about the sort of the weight of the world on your shoulders uh, as you're trying to figure out how to do this, because I do think that it comes both from just the more your worldview develops and as people, I think, actually start to have some understanding of what power you do have, especially in a local sense, because you actually can change things locally, at least in a more tangible, easily achievable way. But so, I mean, you're kind of in this intersection where it seems really easy to get overwhelmed because you're both covering that, but then you also are very active locally. And especially in the last year, then you know, in the last several years, it's probably felt it's felt very apocalyptic, I think, for a lot of people. And it's tough to keep motivated. So, I mean, how did you find a balance for yourself, you know, mentally to keep in a healthy place while also trying to enact all this change? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a real question, dude, because that's that's how I feel. And it's it's true the more aware you become, the more you're like, what I have to do something about this. Yeah. I have to do something. I have to, because I know too much. And that's what I've been saying to people. That's why I'm running for mayor. That's why I started noise. That's why I'm, I've done the things that I've done just because I know too much. Mm-hmm. I simply can't know the stories and know the information and know the sources of these issues. And then just be like, I wish somebody else would do it. Like it's not, <laughs> that's counterproductive. Um, and then I become an accomplice in the very harm that I'm trying to advocate against. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Staying balanced and like in that middle, honestly, I'm a dancer, so I dance. And when I don't move, my mind suffers for it. And it becomes this work becomes that much harder. And my body like internalizes all the stress and puts it in my neck and then I can't move. So it's like a real physical thing. So I have to be physically active and engaged. Um, I read books. Books are great. Sometimes I read online, but I spent most of my work is online. So I really tried to read books and I don't sit and just read them in one sitting. I usually have like a couple of books in front of me and I'll read a few passages from each. And then I will talk to myself and help synthesize those ideas. So I read like five different books that are totally unrelated by different authors. But then I try to find like a common theme or this essential principle that can help me just become a better synthesizer of information. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then I just learned a ton. <laughs> I mean, that also sounds like it's it's at least adjacent to the kind of work you do, right? I mean, reading and synthesizing and learning and trying yeah, to read. But I like you know. doing it with books I like, and then it's it's different, and it allows me to like inform my entire worldview. So mm. I'll read books on like Buddhism, and then I'll read books on urban design, and I'll read a book on uh, you know ecological balance, and I'll read another book on social justice and you know police reform. These are all connected because the universe is all connected everything is because it is so if i can sit here and take this information and synthesize it then it just makes me more aware of how i can better affect anything that i'm doing whether that Mm -hmm. just be sleeping or making a social media post you can be a better poster you can be a better example and that that like constant desire to improve is it's satisfying because it feels good, especially when you're doing it for yourself and not trying to do it for other people. For for early stages of noise, I was really trying to do it for other people. Um, and the service is for other people, obviously, but I kept trying to get serve everyone else before I serve myself. And it just didn't work. And I found myself burning out. I found myself resenting the work. I found myself feeling shame all the time because I felt like I wasn't doing enough or, you know, someone made a comment because because they didn't like how a story was done or whatever. And then suddenly that was the most personal thing to me and it ruined my whole day. And I was like, this is, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. So once I started serving myself and being like, I love learning because I love learning and I like helping because I love, I like helping then that helped me be grounded and like, okay, I know who I am. So no matter what happens here, whether noise gets all this, gets all these grants or gets the support or not, I'm going to keep doing it because I truly believe in the premise and the purpose. And I have like a beautiful community of people who like believe in me mm-hmm. regardless of what I do. It seems like there's probably a direct line you can draw from that to the decision to run for mayor too. Right. I mean, so it's believing in yourself, but then, almost separating some degree of the action, finding another outlet for the knowledge that you're acquiring. That's a little bit adjacent from the job, but also it seems like you like to just keep busy and your brain seems to work all the time. So you have to channel that somewhere. Right. So tell me about that decision. Yeah. So I, no point in my life did I ever think I was going to become, I was going to run for office or specifically mayor. I wrote, I want to be a journalist in my journal when I was like, 10. So, you know, that was prophesied, but not this part. Um, It generally came out of doing the storytelling through noise. Like as I kept, you know, talking to people in the neighborhood, going to community meetings, going to, you know, uh, forums and panels, I joined um, the mayor's LGBTQ advisory board. I joined the urban design review board. I went through citizens Academy I joined the Mode Shift Omaha board and got really interested in like mobility justice and transportation. I sold my car when I was in college. Like I haven't had a car. And um, so that was really personal to me. And I really just started channeling my experiences and figuring out like, what can I do about them? Um, And that kind of problem solving, again, you know, coming back to this, this here's an issue. What are we going to do about it? Um, just kept me grounded and so the more i kept doing noise and i would get so frustrated because i'd go to city council or i'd be in the mayor's office and i'm like you don't know more than us like you genuinely like you're a nice person and all and i'm sure you know what you know but you you're not like a super genius you're not some like some savant you're literally just a person who has their own set of experiences and that's where you're going that's where you're going off of and that's kind of a mind-blowing experience when you actually realize that. Like, it's one of those things, once you realize it, you're like, how did I not see that before? But at the same time, whoa. You're literally just people. Like, we talk about, you know, the president and the the House of Representatives and these elected officials. Like, they're all these, this big deal. They're literally just people yeah. who are making things up just like we make things up. Um, but the challenge is sometimes they, they lack the real awareness of how their actions impact other people or how legacy the legacy of others actions affects people omaha is a good example omaha is a city built on violence like literally since its inception omaha has been a city built on the excommunication of the omaha tribe from which our name comes from murdering hundreds of thousands of buffalo decimating the entire like uh, ecosystem and then continuing to like build buildings and put 
the names of white men who stole the land on those buildings. Like Omaha is built on that violence. And if you look at our the lineage of our mayorship, it's all just been white dudes. And when you have a place called Omaha, Nebraska, both of which are from the Omaha language, and there's not a single person of the Omaha tribe present in that lineage or in good decision-making, that is inherently violent. And when you have a community that is increasingly diverse, black, brown, white, multiple have, we speak so many languages here. We have this incredible diverse community and there's no, there has been no representation in government, like in the mayor's office that reflects that diversity and truly the intersection of those experiences that is violent. And the only way I can think to stop that is to do, is to run and do something about it. Because I've, I've expressed these to our current mayor, I've had these conversations with other people who are in the community and some who have attained power and are really comfortable with how things are, um, or are uncomfortable, but don't have the will to do something different. So they just kind of resign right. um, to how things have always been. And I'm just, I, I can't in good conscience continue to live here and do the work that I do and not try to address it from the root mm-hmm. rather than I what, just write an article and then hope somebody figures it out, which media has a massive influence. And I don't, I, I, I don't underestimate that, but I personally can't just sit by and know the things I know, have the ideas and the visions that I have and just, and hope somebody else can interpret it for me. Um, well, it seems, I mean, when you're talking about uh, people's resistance to change, the way that they, uh, once the power structure is convenient for them, then most people want, or the, the people who it benefits want to keep things the same, right? I mean, and Omaha especially is known for kind of a reputation of, and I guess anywhere in the Midwest, of being, you know, further behind the rest of the country, you know, decades behind in a lot of cultural decisions, because I think there's that resistance to change. So, I mean, I mean, how do you keep yourself optimistic that the kinds of ideas you have, and even just like the framing about involving the Omaha tribe or even just the the word violence in that way seems like something that a lot of people, that's not the intuitive way that they would accept that and they would push back until somehow it clicks for them. So there's that that journey. And I mean, I assume through your work that you have experienced sort of shifting, uh, shifting understandings of certain things and shifting framings or, you know, expanding worldviews. So like, how do you do that though for Omaha who has sort of this reputation of not being all that forward or not wanting to embrace new uh, paradigms all the time? Yeah. And I think running for mayor, literally just act of doing it is one of those ways of, of forcing that paradigm shift and introducing ideas into the public consciousness that have not been present before that to even fathom that a person like me can do something like this. Um, and then hear from me, you know, if you were to hear me, why I'm doing it, be like, Oh, that's a pretty like interesting reason. I wouldn't expect you to have that reason, but I do. And, um, and I'm committed to Omaha no matter what. So it's like, you know, win or lose, I'm going to be here making a difference. Um, I just think I can, in the mayor's office, I can do some things in a very short period of time that need to be done so that we can like survive. <laughs> this is just a matter of like breathing clean air tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and we don't seem to be working with that kind of agency for some reason um, and that kind of urgency. So I, I really just want to, I really think this campaign is an opportunity to get in front of people, get messages out, and ultimately start informing and shift, shifting the culture. And I've seen it happen in my work as a journalist and my work as an artist, first and foremost, especially because our creative communities here in Omaha are incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. The like the small clubs and collectives and nonprofits and in you know, just groups of people who get together and say, let's make some cool shit happen. It, like it's so incredible and that is what makes me that's what inspires me because I know these people I've been a part of these cohorts I've been in this community and it's when you ask me what keeps me in Omaha it's the people is because folks here if you don't have something they learn how to make it and they're often the first one to do it you know and that is so impressive and the fact that we have the resources and the assets and the community here to support brand new ventures um, that are going to improve, you know, the well-being of our entire community is so cool. And I want to center that, that energy in City Hall 
so that every person, every artist, every individual who lives in Omaha can see themselves as a part of, not apart from. Because right now it's very much the phantom hand of the city of Omaha. It's very much the government decided the city is like some other being um, that is just making these transactional decisions rather than like, I'm the city, you're the city, we live here. Like, why didn't we have any say? Why weren't we aware? Why aren't we a part of, why aren't we like active participants? Especially when, you know, these major developments and huge changes affect our built environment, which directly affect us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jean Leahy Mall being dirt for the next three years directly affects us. COVID or no COVID, we still want, we still don't have a place to gather anymore. That was, that was our heart. Omaha doesn't have a heart anymore. Omaha has, has Omaha ever had a heart? Like what is the center that everyone can go to that is accessible, that is the orienting place um, that shows you this is what Omaha is and then it can help you navigate the space. We don't have anything like that, mm-hmm. that like a union station or like in Denver or something where you can just go and be and learn and do and interact and then be navigated somewhere else. We don't have that. And since we don't have that central heart, we don't have an identity. We don't have like a, we, we have characteristics, but none of those characteristics have come together into a cohesive identity with a mission and a purpose for moving forward. We just kind of yeah. keep doing um, in hopes that it keeps going. That's what, as you're talking about that, it's making me think that I can't think of a time when Omaha's ever really tried to be cohesive in terms of, I mean, like you're talking about a place everyone can gather, but you've got a lot of people who just won't even drive past certain streets, you know, like they're not even going to, they're not even going to give half the city a chance in a lot, of, a lot of cases here. And so it's, it's definitely felt my entire life. And I mean, from what I know historically, I mean, that Omaha's always sort of consciously been a lot of different pockets that happen to be within the same city, but there's never really been that much of an attempt to cultivate a culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I grew up in North Omaha. I went to school in West. Um, our houses were closed on in 2008 during the housing crisis. So then we moved to Bellevue, just south of the Harrison um, Omaha border. And so I spent a lot of time in South Omaha, went to Central and Creighton. So I spent a lot of time in Central and then I moved back to North. And so having that like 360 view and having friends in different parts of the city and different school districts really gave me this like this exposure, like, whoa, this place is radically different depending on what number street you're on. Mm-hmm. Like 13th street is very different from 113th street. They are opposite lands, opposite places. They were built differently. Like so much is fundamentally different about those places. But what is similar is that it's that people in, live and inhabit those places and that we are all in Omaha in the, but a massive difference is the streets. Because if you don't have a car, you you often can't navigate Omaha. So therefore, you are separate from it. Mm. Well, that's not the case in many cities that have effective transportation systems where you can live in one region and often travel to the other without the burden of a vehicle. And so addressing like the physical connectivity of the city is going to be key. That infrastructure is going to be key into truly uniting Omaha and making sure that we can have a cohesive front to addressing a lot of the pressing issues that affect all of us as a community. Um, Because the poverty in South Omaha and North Omaha directly affects those in West Omaha. People may feel that, oh, I have, I'm wealthier here. I have my subdivision here. We're gated here. We've got our, you know, our strip mall over there. But there comes a point where the inequity becomes is everyone's problem. But since, like you said, people selectively don't go to certain places and aren't introduced to different parts of the community, they just go based off their media perceptions and you know whatever minor uh, story that they know. And so I wanna bring that kind of communication, that storytelling to the forefront and say like, and help us paint the picture of where we've come from, where we are right now and where we're trying to go. And I, I, I think I have the experience of growing up in these different communities in and seeing like, okay, the consistent thread is good people. In my, you know, income is different, experiences are different, you, you know, geographically it can be fundamentally a different place, but the people are what in those places who care and wanna make a difference, we need to connect those folks. And when you can do that is when you can start to see the cohesive, that community building truly take place. And that's what we're gonna need to 
do some of the major overhauls in government um, with our infrastructure, uh, with our future of industry and like even uh, commerce and exchange, it has to be built on relationships and not just these transactional behaviors. What are some of those big overhauls you see for Omaha in the future? Remediation, repair, and recreation. I believe the future of just industry is going to be remediation, cleaning the mess up, <laughs> that the massive mess that we created, repair, fixing things, and learning how to disassemble them and retrofit and you know you figure out the components, take those, disassemble those things, and then reuse those components for something else. And then recreation is your arts, your creativity, those those other expressions, because remediation and repair are really time intensive, physically intensive. They require a lot of creativity. You have to get really dirty and get mired into this filth. And so then we're going to need stuff that keeps our minds and our bodies well so that we can go and do that hard work. And that's where the recreation comes in. That's something we're really good at. We're great at arts and entertainment. We're good at uh, food and, and, and drink. We're good at concerts. We're good at, you know, at facilitating environments when we choose to. So the repair and the remediation, people will start to seek Omaha as a place to get something fixed, to get something repaired, where the invention is made because people send us all of our parts and we just make new things out of those old parts. And like, that kind of creativity and using the resources you already have is going to be the key to like overhauling our government, our entire like uh, our government and our economic structure. Right now, it's very extraction based. We go somewhere, we mine the ore, we process the ore somewhere else, we turn it into a product over there, and we ship it back and forth until we make it into your iPhone that you throw away three years later. Right, we we can stop that. We can stop that cycle by intercepting the the discarded goods learn how to disassemble them and then recreate repair remediate um and take the raw materials and turn them back into usable materials um that's going to be the future of industry in general i think i believe omaha being at the intersection of i-80 union pacific railroad uh off air force base epley airfield and the missouri river we have multiple points access points uh, and we're the gateway to the West in all these other ways, we can set the stage for what that kind of um, regenerative economic system can look like applied on a large scale and doing it in a period of time that demonstrates we can make these changes that improve our collective well-being effectively if we commit to it. Hmm. Rather than being like, oh, trash contract for 10 years where we just throw plastic in the ground for another decade. Nothing we can do about that. Like, no, we have to stop that and do something else. We can't we can't keep making these excuses for why we're not changing. I, I like that, especially as kind of a reaction to the more culturally conservative look of, you know, we have to preserve everything. We can't embrace change. I mean, I don't know if you even want to talk about this question, but are you, are you running in a specific political party or are you independent? I'm a registered independent. Okay. I changed my registration in 2019 after I I really sat and thought about it for a while. I was a registered Democrat um, and things, but I found that neither party represented uh, me or the ideas that I'm, I want to put forth because it, what I also appreciate about this election is that it's a municipal election. It's technically nonpartisan. And I'm here to talk to you about Omaha. Right. Like, I don't have any interest in talking to you about the Republicans or Democrats and their politics and conservatives and whatever. I want to talk to you about our backyard. I want to talk to you about our streets. I want to talk to you about our communities and what we're going to do about it. That is so much more effective. And it's something that people can actually connect to and relate to because it's in front of them. Mm-hmm. We could talk. I'm not going to talk about D.C. because D.C. is obviously a mess. And they don't, they don't mow our lawns. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't plow our streets. They're not taking care of our water like they should be. Um, so as a city, I really want us to, I want to hear from people what their concerns are and then like, so that they feel valued um, and recognized. And then that, that feedback isn't incorporated in whatever we choose to do to improve the city rather than, oh, we're going to do this thing on the back end and then we're going to ask you a couple of questions to see if you like it or not like that people don't like things done to them mm-hmm. people like things done with them right. and when you can show that i am 
I'm here to cooperate with you. I'm here to hear what you have to say and truly value it, even if I might totally disagree, means that I'm hearing you and I'm going to incorporate your energy into what is next needed for all of us, um, rather than making unilateral decisions just because I think it's better and not getting any cooperation. And that's how I've been able to build noise. That's how I've been able to build my art practice. That's how I've been built as a person. So I really want to bring that personal, that personality to City Hall as well. Because like, we don't know anything about our current mayor. Like, what's her favorite song? What's her favorite food? Um, you know, where did you grow up? What, would, what did you like doing there? I don't know. We don't know any, we don't know this human. So it makes it so much easier for people to fling insults at her and really reduce her, which I would never want to do. Like Jean is a, is a human being who has her own set of experiences and I cannot blame her for those experiences, but frankly, they aren't the ones that we need right now. Uh, I guess as we do wrap up, because we are out of time here, what's the best place people can go to follow for all the updates of everything you're working on that you want them to see? Yeah. Dewanforomaha.com is the website and Dewan for Omaha on, <clears throat> on Facebook and Instagram, and then also Dewan one. Um, so D A W A U N E dot O N E. Um, that's where you'll find me on Twitter. That's where you'll find me on Instagram. Um, it'll soon link to our campaign site. Like, so I've tried my best not to like totally separate myself from Dewan the candidate and Dewan the artist and just who I am because they are so interrelated. Um, and I think that's important. Like when you're electing someone, you're electing a human in their holisticness, not just like I put on a blazer one day and that's who you're voting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to be very transparent about my process, who I am, what I'm going through, um, how I express myself. And yeah, so follow there is, is a great way. And then we're always looking for volunteers to help collect signatures to get on the ballot and help arrange um, small information events in different districts so we can continue to get the, the word out. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I had a great time getting to know you a little bit better today. Yeah, it was great. Thanks a lot for having me, Tom. Riverside Chats is produced in conjunction with KIOS and Exarban Creative. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. We're back in election season, which means the people who want to represent you at a mayoral, at a city council level, at a local level, are going to be our focus primarily in the upcoming months. You can find the backlog of all of those people, as well as all the other people I talk to. There's a lot of them, and they've all done interesting things, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tom Noblock. Thank you, as always, for listening. This has been Riverside Chats.